Welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Wednesday, December 15th, 2021, and I'm Justin Nielsen, your host, along with my pal, Arusha Paris, O'Neill Global Advisors, Portfolio Manager, and returning to the show, one of our favorites, Jim Ropel. He's the founder of Ropel Capital Management and also Growth Stock Mentor, where he helps investors get better at this game of investing. Welcome back to the show, Jim. What's up, sir? <laughs> Great to have you back. Great to have you back. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the market, of course, a very interesting day to talk about. And, you know, Jim's been at this for a while and certainly in his youth, he knew all about how to get aggressive and he's going to share his stories about large position sizes, margin, how to handle that, uh, that extra pressure. Um, we'll also go over a few of the stocks that are on Jim's radar. So let's get right to it. Uh, start out, start out with the NASDAQ composite, Jim. Um, Man, this was quite a day. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's your you take? Know, if you would have seen me this morning, I'm the hypocrite of the century. I was <laughs> raging bear. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting texts and DMs and I'm just firing out. Look at this. You know, if you looked at what's going on, you know, the XLP, the consumer staples are rolling. You got AbbVie with 2.0 up to down volume, the advanced decline lines imploding. Um, just the conditions overall were a train wreck. And I was like raging bear this morning. And, you know, I was about 20 or 30% long and come the close, I, I ramped it up. I mean, I bought four stocks after the Fed announced the fact that I changed that fast. I mean, we have a rule here. Well, I have a rule. I've impl implemented it that you shouldn't adjust equity exposure by more than 30% in a day. And mm -hmm. that'll keep me getting way too bullish or bearish. Right. And that, except unless you have like three, four climax runs in a day, which probably happens once in a decade. Mm -hmm. Or a day like today, when you just had overwhelming buying power, um, you know, in a game changer, like, I think everyone was so bearish, and it just flipped bullish, yeah. and the volume ramped, and you had so much, like, you know, Bill would say, if you see like a stampede, mm -hmm. it, not right after the Fed announcement, but about 30, when, when Powell started to talk, it just ramped, yeah, and you had to go with it. I mean, I had to change my opinion pretty drastically in a very quick period which is yeah. rare for, I don't do that much. And, well, you and know we had a, and we had a fall today today, right? right. So, yeah. So, uh, so buying increasing exposure really is following the rules at, at this point. I mean, we didn't really have much of a, a correction for the indexes now underneath the surface, plenty of stocks are going through corrections, but, right. um, but yeah, we had the fall today. So it, it, it definitely made sense to st start looking for stocks to buy. Yeah. And to your point, um, Arusha, maybe show a, an intraday chart, because again, we, we started the day out negative. Uh, it, it looked like, again, we were, we were just heading lower. And then um, 11 o'clock Pacific time, two o'clock Eastern time, that's when uh, you can see the, the Fed announcement came out. Uh, you saw a ramp up. Uh, there was a little bit of a pullback. Uh, you know, it looked like things were settling down and it just seemed like, okay, I mean, the index was back to flat and uh, didn't seem like uh, much was, was going to happen of it. But then, boom, the, the selling really increased, um, you know, as you said, Jim, after, you know, after Powell was speaking. And wh what do you think, what do you think investors are thinking? So, I mean, uh, usually you talk rate hikes, you talk uh, Fed tightening, you, you talk about quantitative, quantitative easing and investors are, uh, not not so happy about that. This time they applauded it. Uh, what, what's what's your take on that? Or do I, you even care? <laughs> well, I really don't care. Yeah. But I think the average guy has been wrung out this year. Anybody who's a congestion buyout type uh, trend trader 
has been, you know, chopped to pieces. And the fact that we had a bull turn in a, on a day, everybody was expecting bearish action. Mm-hmm. I think today was an institutional day. I don't think there was a lot of little guys in there. I think they, they're looking at it in dismay. Right. It's not easy to pull the trigger and go from 30% to, you know, 60% long or 70% in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think a lot of people are probably going, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, maybe taking a look at the Russell 2000, because this has been the lagging uh, index. So maybe, you know, let's get your take a little bit on um, where are we in terms of uh, sectors? Because again, it started looking like the defensive sectors. And maybe instead of the Russell 2000, let's go ahead and take a look at IWM today, uh, since that, that's the Russell 2000 iShares ETF. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get the data on that. Um, so, is, is there any sense from the, the action of the Russell 2000? Again, we were, we were undercutting the, the early December lows uh, at, at the beginning of the day, ramped up, but we're still below the 200-day line, as are a lot of stocks. We're still below the 50-day line, as are a lot of stocks. Um, uh, does, does this kind of give you any indication of the strength, the potential, or anything like that? It's a total expectation breaker. We were undercutting the lows. And if you drew an uptrend line under the bottom of this nine month channel, you know, mm-hmm. can I hold it back up? The biggest clue in the world was the failed breakout in November. Okay, so yeah. we break out right there and immediately start rolling over. Now, when that broke, it failed. The MDY, the mid cap was holding up a lot better. And I, I was not, I didn't become as negative as I should have. I was, I'm such an optimist and a bull at heart. And it it didn't really start to break wide open, but that was an early clue that this market was going to get ugly. Now, Mm -hmm. today, if you go back to IWM or the 2000, the Russell, it undercut the lows and then it was like a a bear trap. It just reversed up. So I I think this is really bullish action. And if you look at the ARK, A-R-K-K, I mean, you do not need a follow through today on NASDAQ or S&P. You need Mm -hmm. it here and you've Mm -hmm. got it. And look, the volume was the best volume today since May. Right. And you had a good, strong follow-through day. Now, I think there's a lot of stocks that are really wrecked in here. You want to be looking at other names, but it was wonderful to get the follow-through day here. Now, now, Jim, yeah, now we haven't had, so, so we, what, there's like a month, month maybe pullback. Uh, there aren't a lot of stocks that have had time to build bases and kind of kind of break out. So this is not your traditional type of you've gone through two to three month correction the best stocks are building bases and then you get the falter day and you see a couple stocks breaking out so how do you handle an environment like this where are you just going back to kind of the same names that you got shaken out before i really think it was much easier because it was so obvious what was the what was really holding up now and i was kind of thinking that you might need these three, four, five mega caps to finally break and then the market would bottom, but it didn't happen that way. So I didn't really go into those today. Well, I did buy some NVIDIA. I added to my NVIDIA, which I've been holding, Mm -hmm. but the answer is it was easier because the real power was very obvious. You know, everything else destroyed, but maybe five or 10 names. So you didn't have a lot of searching to do. So it was... So it was more, though, buying off pullbacks and, and stocks that, because a number like NVIDIA, AMD, and stuff like that, they all came back to their 50-day moving average. So it's more, you're doing more of a pullback buy versus kind of buying out of a breakout or something like that. 
I've, I have to tell you in 30 years, I've probably only bought a few stocks, maybe 10 in my life off the 50 day. And one of them was Nvidia. Everything okay. else I've bought today for the new high or mm-hmm. very, very close. Mm. So <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, yeah. I'm full of, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world. This morning, I'm a raging bear. This afternoon, I'm a pretty bullish. I say, oh, I never buy off of the 50 day, but then I did it today. <laughs> I mean, I am really, really flexible. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the key. You, you exactly. have to be flexible. <laughs> and also going back to the IWM, this is a, a really nice shakeout right here, right? Yeah. Where you undercut, a, uh, I mean, definitely that a short-term lows around that 212 area. But when, even when you take it back uh, a little bit further, a few months before, you're undercutting a bunch of those levels too. Mm-hmm. So it, the market is designed to fool most of the people most of the time. And, and so getting that kind of shakeout, seeing that power, having it come in the last hour, you know, where everyone's kind of thinking that, you know, it's not, maybe it'll probably sell off more than anything else uh, is almost perfect. It was a total, total expectation breaker. I think mm-hmm. most people were bearish, even the, you know, AAII sentiment was starting to roll over. Mm-hmm. People I'm talking to are really, really getting beaten up, giving up the whole year's gains and worse. Um, I am down for the year. You know, I mean, this is, this is a really, really tough game. And after like, you know, 30 years of success, you can screw it up. Um, but in the end, I'll, I'm totally game changing this topic. It doesn't matter if you do, because you can make up, a, you know, I'm not talking about ruin your account, but if you get down a little bit, you can make that up in a week in a good yeah. run. Yeah. And so if you missed it, you know, you missed a couple perfect pitches. doesn't matter. You're just going to have more coming. So I love the expectation breaker today. And right when everybody was looking for it to break wide open, it did the exact opposite, which just really fills me with optimism and enthusiasm. I mean, it is a little funky that you didn't get those mega caps to break. So I'm not totally committed to this. Like I'm not going to go on margin until we have more of a confirmation, Mm -hmm. but expectation breakers, you have to act on. Well, and, and that really shows your flexibility there too. Uh, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dip my toe in the water a little bit more, maybe, maybe put a foot uh, or, or up to my shin. Um, but yeah, margin, margin is a, a big plunge and uh, you're, you're not getting your hair wet at this point. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, when we come back, we will start talking a little bit about if, if you're going to ramp up, if you're going to have that heavy exposure, if you're going to be on margin, uh, how do you handle those larger position sizes and that extra margin? We'll be right back. Do you feel like you're always late to the best trades? You don't have to kick yourself for those missed opportunities any longer. Today is your day. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence has helped traders of all experience levels with its predictive analysis forecasting. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how their AI automatically recognizes global market patterns well ahead of the news to help you pick the best trade. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com to join a free live training session today. Vantage Point's patented artificial intelligence can give you a massive edge. Don't hesitate. Save your seat now. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Paris from O'Neill Global Advisors. Uh, and also we have Jim Ropel from Ropel Capital Management and Growth Stock Mentor. Uh, great to have him. And uh, before we get into how you might handle getting uh, very heavily exposed on margin, all of that, 
Let's talk a little bit about the other side. Arusha, where do you want to start? Yeah, Jim, I just wanted to bring up, and we were we were talking yesterday when the markets were looking bad, right? But you know, the, the nice thing is that this emotion applies to any type of market. So I want to just really talk about the emotion of, of fear and you know how that can affect investors. And obviously, people right now are a little fearful. Wait a minute, is this market really turning, or or is the market just going to roll over right when I get into it? How do you handle? Uh, this this emotion. How why is this really a pitfall for a lot of investors? Well, it's really really easy to be fearful. It's a mm -hmm. much stronger emotion than greed, and it's you have to find the op thing to be optimistic about. Um, like right now, everyone's fretting about the supply chain. I'll bet everything I have that the American innovation innovative way will straighten this out because there's money to be made there. The free market straightens out almost all problems. It does create a few, but it really helps all. We live in a free market and it allocates resources where it's supposed to be and it solves problems. Um, you know, the, the transports are telling me like Norfolk Southern and o Old Dominion, these stocks are actually in bases and look great. So right. it looks to me like the economy is going to roll along. I think the, the, the bear activity we just saw was really the Fed crushing innovative, disruptive, high valuation names, I don't think the economy is going to slow down. Even with the, I mean, the market knows the Fed's going to hike and the transports are still holding up, but fear is easy. Optimism takes courage and courage is rare. Um, so are successful people in the market, but you, you have to look, there was a book that came out called bankruptcy 1995. And I read it and it was extremely logical. And I believed it. I'm like, I mean, people listening don't even remember this, but there were the twin deficits, trade deficit and budget deficit. Right. And if you read the book, it was an airtight case. There's no chance the United States will be bankrupt by 1995. And along came this thing called Graham Rudman Hollings. And then what happened was the American innovative way righted all those straight, just straightened the whole situation out. You just have to lean into American exceptionalism and just be believed that innovators are going to solve the problems and those stocks are going to come public and they're going to form a couple perfect cup and handle and have monster earnings and break out on huge volume because guys like us are going to buy them and it's never going to stop unless the golden goose of capitalism is suffocated by socialism. Barring that, they're going to keep rolling. Mm -hmm. So that kind of really... I, I think paints the big picture here, you know, the, the, the long-term outlook. Um, on the short term, you know, when you're trying to kind of get your positioning and, um, uh, you know, especially lately, we just saw a breakout, breakout after breakout just failing. Um, as you said, you know, it was, it was hard to make progress. Um, for me, this whole year was about getting to the levels that I got to in February and then getting the, the rug pulled out from under me and then getting back up to those same levels and, you know, uh, rinse and repeat. And so a lot of people at a certain point, just, you know, they'll throw in the towel. They'll say, oh my gosh, this, this just isn't for me. I'm not making it work. I'm not good at this. Um, you know, because of that short-term, th those short-term issues. So um, how do you distinguish between, you know, maybe, you know, taking that breath, taking a break, being in cash during a, a correction where it's short-term between, you know, this, this long-term look, um, you know, how, how do you distinguish between, between those two? I think, you know, 30 years experience really helps. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying be a perma bull. There are periods 
you know, it, it's not a coincidence that I sidestepped all the major bears going back forever because, you know, when you just get these really bad action and most of your stocks are below the 50, you just have to raise cash. Mm-hmm. Bad activity pushes you. I mean, I don't anticipate anything. I ha- the market forces me. I was forced to buy today. And in, in the prior le- weeks leading up to this, it forced me to sell. Um, you know, if you, listen, the 50-day moving average is the guardrail. It keeps yeah. you from going off the cliff. If you just, you know, monitored your position in relation to the 50 day, how far above and below, it's really going to keep you in line with the general tune of the market. But I think more importantly, that the major averages did not break, but under the surface, the leaders did. So you have to follow the leaders slightly more than the indexes because, you know, innovative growth stocks moving like a flock. And if the, a few stocks are holding up the index and you, you know, just ignore underneath the surface, your leaders are blowing up. You can't do that. You've got to flex with the leaders as much as the general trend. Um, money management, you know, is key. It's absolutely key. So Jim, let's go off on with that money management. Uh, with managing around a position, managing with a big size, um, how do you handle this? And, and this is a topic that I, I think we've spoken about a number of times on this podcast with you. Uh, but this is this is something that you've done really well and, and you've done it for a long time. Let's go over it again. How do you manage that? Because that's that's always one of those key things that I've found uh, to be pretty hard, especially when the market's got volatile. It, it really, I think you have to separate yourself out from thematic investors who are going to try and stay in the name for three, four years and intermediate term traders. If you're a big, you can't be a thematic person and have 25% of your account in one stock without trimming. You, the volatility will break you. God mm-hmm. forbid you throw it up on margin. So positions, single positions bigger than 20, 15, 18, 20% on margin have to be tended to. They have to be um, traded around. Like, so when you, let's skip thematic. Let's go with more shorter term, like nine months to 18 months or even less. You get wildly extended. You have got to trade around it. Trim it when it's high. It's abnormally extended over the 50 and, or hedge. If you're in, see the beauty, anybody listening, if you have an IRA and you, you are, it's the gift of the century because you just don't pay tax absolutely just trim the position back. And when it gets down by the 50 and recovers and I'll trade around it. If you're on margin in say six stocks and you're 25% in each stock, a 25% pullback is going to just wreck your day and you'll end up vomiting at the right at the lows. You know, so Bill would adjust his opinion on this, but basically I know he traded around his positions and I, mm-hmm. I've yet just have to, or you're going to suffer too big a drawdown. Yeah, you can't just go straight long and take twenty five percent pullbacks in four of your five stocks. Think about right. that for one right. second. Yeah. What's the percentage drawdown on one hundred and fifty percent margin, twenty five percent positions? Yeah, I don't. No, <laughs> there's no way. Mm-hmm. You got to you got to work around it. Well, and and to your point, I mean, um, I, I don't know if any of you have seen like the pick and save. You know, I mean, sure, Bill held it for seven and a half years. But he did not have the, it's not like he bought and then sold, you know, seven and a half years later and that was it, you know, same amount of shares. It was a lot of, there must have been hundreds of trades in that time period, you know, trading around the core position. Uh, For sure. And the bigger, 
larger amount of money you have, the more, I know it sounds, it, you just say, well, percentages are percentages, but when you're running way bigger amounts of money, you have to trade around this because the, mm -hmm. the volatility, the position so enormous and life-changing, you know, the money starts to matter too much. So you've got to adjust that risk. Mm -hmm. At yeah, least and, I do. Well, and, and that's why, I mean, you stress this over and over, Jim. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've heard you talk about it. You know, this is why that liquidity issue of, of your stocks. Um, yeah, you know, you're going you're gonna to reduce your universe, but, you know, having those more liquid names uh, really helps you you know, build those positions, get heavy in something, because if you do it, if you try and do it in a li illiquid name, I mean, there's just no way. Listen, I think the mad people say, what's the trick? What's the one thing that, you know, like the, the, the magic secret, I think the magic elixir is the highest earnings growth ratio with the highest average daily dollar volume. That is where every major growth fund has, they have to go because they can't go into these stocks that are one, $2 billion market cap. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're willing, you know, if you can find a stock that trades, you know, $5 billion worth of average daily dollar volume and growing in excess of 20%, it's a rare jewel. It's mm -hmm. elite, elite, elite. And every major growth fund is going to go there in, in time. You, and those are the names. If you go back and you look at the names, Bill made a ton of money. Well, pick and save was rare, but in the later days, in my, almost everything I made big, big money in was really liquid and had huge earnings. I made almost no major money in stocks without earnings, but they were almost all liquid and had big, big earnings growth. So now, got it. Now, Jim, uh, now you recently had a birthday. So first, happy birthday. Oh, uh, happy birthday. Arush is going <laughs> to sing for you. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to the listeners. Don't do that. We'll do that uh, off camera. <laughs> exactly. No, I wouldn't do that either. But, uh, but Jim, so... We, we were talking about, you know, kind of like how long you're planning to manage money uh, into the future. And, and you were talking about, you know, managing it into into your 80s. So I'm, I'm going to ask you the kind of the question, how many more bulls, how many more bull markets do you think you expect to see and how many TMLs could emerge out of that? And TML, okay, of course, say, is a true market leader. Thank you, Justin. Let's say you had a bad year. Let's say you were down this year or you somehow bungled it. I'm 57. If I trade for 30 more years, so I'm 87, and there's a bull cycle, a bull market every three years, I'm going to see 10 more bull cycles. And in every bull cycle, you should probably get between 10 and 15 real true market leaders. That's 150 opportunities for me at 57 to level up a hundred. I mean, to have a game changer. I'm talking about a guy going from like a rented condo to a three bedroom house, the guy in the three bedroom house to whatever you want. I mean, I don't know what the next level for you is, but they're never gonna stop coming. So, you know, if you had a rough fear, who cares? You're going to have more at bats. This whole year was one at bat. I have 30 more if I manage money till I'm 87, which I fully intend to do. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of opportunities to change. It's, it's, it's right. pretty amazing the way you put it like that. Yeah. yeah. And that perspective. Well, because again, I think uh, especially because, you know, there were probably a lot of people that uh, maybe they started their investing journey in 2020, um, you know, thought that the market worked a certain way. 2021 taught them it's, 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 it's not that easy, you know, that 2020 was special. Um, it's not that easy. And, 
you know, that, that can be discouraging. Um, I mean, I, I was kind of in a similar boat. I started in the late nineties. Uh, I thought I was a genius and, you know, knew everything. And then, you know, 2000 hit and, you know, it, it, it was, it wasn't the, the top that hurt me so much. It was the, the next two years uh, right. where I was just like, bring it back, you know, <laughs> that overtrading and everything. So, I mean, what do you say to someone who, uh, well, you've already said it at this point, you know, you, you, you have that optimism um, and, and everything. And I, I, I can't agree more. It's just, you see so many people, they get discouraged. Um, they sell at the lows. They, you know, don't try again, you know, all of those things. And it's just, that that's that's the wrong way to approach it yeah i'll give you two things number one believe in the american future is going to be brighter than anywhere else but you should all be praying for a bear market and mm-hmm. i mean a major bear market yep. because the uh, the leaders get so obvious at the low and right off the low not only that the magnitude of the opportunity is so much greater i mean the everyone gets so negative as the market's blowing up and i'm like I just hope it goes to zero. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like stretching a rubber band. You pull that rubber band and when it comes back, the force and power is so enormous. You know, in the first three, four months of a new bull market, you can make hundred percent, no problem. And there we're going to have, by the way, the sun will go down. Okay. And we're going to have, like I said, I think we'll have 10 more bears and 10 more bulls before I give it up. So, and at, I get very excited when bulls really get aggressive. Like I was kind of hoping that this one was going to break wide open. Right. So now we have a market that's elevated. The Fed's tightening. We did not get a monster, monster pullback. We got a, a good one underneath the hood, good enough to launch a good run into year end or maybe into the new year. But it wasn't a gut-wrenching, you know, disaster. Right, right. You know, maybe we can finish so, this conversation up about the, these larger position size with um, a little bit of, you know, how how much diversification do you do you feel like you need? Uh, you know, I mean, it, we, we certainly the growth stocks are what excite us the most. What's been holding up and working lately? I mean, you know, utilities, REITs, you know, all of those have been the, the things with the higher relative strength. So uh, with this shift, uh, are, are you doing diversification or is it like, OK, let me let me get you know I, I'm going to ignore these utilities and REITs because that's not where the the movement usually is. Um, how how are you diversifying yourself? Well, number one, I'd rather sit in cash than buy a utility or a REIT. Mm-hmm. I just it's not it's not worth. I don't care about five or ten percent. It's irrelevant to me. And mm-hmm. uh, before I answer that question, one major caveat is the XLP. You cannot have United Health, Hershey's, Procter and Gamble, Church and Church and Dwight. <laughs> has an up to down line of 2.3 and the XLP was up today. That is not good. If the, if the XLP were to break this, fail this breakout, I'd become very, very bullish. This is exactly the point. I mean, this is what was working. Um, It's still strong. You know, are, are you, are you in this stuff? Is this your method of diversification or are you diversifying in a different way? Okay. No. And if you think that because you have Tesla and an internet security stock, and a semiconductor, and they're all different. They're not. Mm-hmm. They are in different industries, but they're all growth stocks. And when these birds of a feather, when one you know dives down, they they all go together, even though they're in different industries. It's really growth versus value, mm-hmm. and risk on versus risk off. So you're you're if you're an innovative, disruptive technology, which is what I live for. Well, I live for days like today. Actually, this mm-hmm. is why I'm in the game. 
But if you're in this area, when they crack, they crack together. Now, Roblox broke this morning way worse than yeah. the other. But in general, if you get a when you get a stock or a true market leader to break 10, 20, 30% in a day, you can count on your other major leaders to be going to be down five. Mm -hmm. So if you're on margin 150% and you have a stock that's 25% position goes down 20% and the rest go down five, just do the math here. So diversification is tough. That's why I actually bought um, DHI today, which mm -hmm. is a home build with a right. little bit less volatile amongst the other re really aggressive things I bought. So I, I bought that because it was a little diversification and it's a great group right now. Yep. Very good. And well, when we, what, what's that? Look at the volume on DHI. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, it's massive. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more on some of the stocks that were on Jim's radar and maybe in his portfolio. We'll be right back. Do you want to conquer market volatility? We can help you protect your hard-earned capital. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how Vantage Point's AI technology can forecast stock market trends up to 72 hours in advance with incredible accuracy. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds, so you can finally stop guessing what's going to happen next. Check out www.freestockcoaching.com and experience Vantage Point for free. Learn how successful traders generate their wealth. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Pierce and our guest from Ropel Capital Management and Growth Stock Mentor. It's Jim Ropel. Uh, now, before we get into some stocks, maybe we take a little bit of a step back and talk about those uh, alternative assets, because I know you have your crypto fund um, as well. And this is something that seemed like the miners were really catching on fire. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are just wondering how exactly to, to, to play this space. So what's, what's your advice to them? You know, I'd really, really give you a warning on the ETFs. Um, they just, you know, like, to give me an example. Bitcoin's up 62% this year. The Bitcoin trust is even for the year. Mm -hmm. Ethereum is up 412% this year. The Ethereum trust is up 176. So you're capturing less than half the upside and maybe 130% of the downside. So I really, really want to stress buy the raw coins, the digital coins themselves. It's just a much fairer game. These ETFs are not constructed well at all. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the whole thematic uh, story of crypto, millennials don't trust banks. They don't like stocks. They don't like traditional brokers. You know, you talk to younger people, they, they're, they're buying crypto. Um, mm -hmm. And just do either of you guys know how long it took, how many years it took to get 1 billion people using the internet? We know because you just told oh, us. Yeah. I was just going to say, why, oh, why yeah, don't you, you tell us? Else? <laughs> 36 years. 36. We're going to get to 1 billion crypto wallets in 15. Yeah. The rate of adoption, the adoption curve here is so explosive. And it's so early. It's so disruptive. Um, El Salvador made it their national currency. Mm -hmm. And within three months, more El Salvadorians have a crypto wallet than a bank account. Mm -hmm. This wow. is so disruptive to finance. It's, it's an absolute game changer. So I think, you know, and right now, major market strategists are saying, oh, don't, don't invest in crypto or maybe one or 2%. What happens 
when Goldman Sachs says everybody needs 25% crypto mm-hmm. because it's, it's destroying the banking system. You're, you'd be a fool not to be in this. Mm-hmm. So if Bitcoin is at 40,000, 45,000, whatever right now, where's it going to be when people are going, you have to have 25% of your whole account in crypto. I mean, mm-hmm. this is one of the greatest growth stories ever in history, period. Jim, just, just very quickly, uh, for everyone who's kind of newer to crypto, what, where's, where are some good places just to learn kind of the basics? Is it, do you have any suggestions on that? Um, you know, when I started my crypto fund like four or five years ago, um, I just went, read, you know, uh, oh my God, there's so, you're killing me, man. I know. <laughs> my partner was, was 30 years old. I, I, my first partner, unfortunately, Matt D'Souza, who I co-founded the fund with, passed away. I miss you, Matt. But my new um, consultant is 31. And these mm-hmm. guys are just so much more savvy and knowledgeable. You need to deal with younger people. Yeah. Um, oh, the internet. There's, oh, listen, Real Vision. Raul Paul has the greatest podcast on this. Um, Girl Stock Mentor talks about it every week. <laughs> okay. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and just... Just for people like, okay, you're, you're looking at maybe the chart, you know, because again, we, we like to look at charts. Um, is this something that you're buying off the chart? Or is it just something that you're uh, every now and then you're just like, oh, here's a dip. Let me let me buy some more. Here's, you know, uh, are, are you buying off the chart? Or does it just not even matter to you? Or just buy whenever? In the stock market, I'm very technically oriented. In, in crypto, I'm more fundamentally oriented, but I still watch the charts very carefully. I'm really more of a hodler in downturns and in upturns, I will trim excess. Mm-hmm. But when you see the future of this and what the total addressable market is, you just, it's almost impossible not to remain long. And you have to be, everyone's so short-term in this world. Right. Imagine if you got invested in the internet in 1989 mm-hmm. and just sat and trimmed excess, you'd be a multi-billionaire. Right. And that's the, I think we are looking at an opportunity bigger than that right now. It does chart very, very well, but it is so volatile to risk manage is very difficult. It's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. It's like today, I think Ether is up like five or 6%. It was down this morning. One day last Sunday night uh, after Thanksgiving, I think it was down 15 or 20% on the, on the night. Right. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Risk managing in that type of volatility is just, you're just going to get stopped out. So number one, make sure you're in a general market bull trend in crypto and get long and, and you know, try to get a good cushion so you can trim a little excess mm-hmm. and sit through the pullbacks, which are inevitable. I mean, the internet build out over 20 years, how many bear markets did you have? Where, right. you know, Yahoo, you know, remember Yahoo? It was an absolute mm-hmm. monster, corrected 75% multiple times. Mm-hmm. It's not that odd for innovative, disruptive technologies to do that as they take over the world. And that's the, the model book for the build out of crypto and DeFi and the metaverse is the build out of the internet. It's just happening all over again, except it's happening faster. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is very technical and I do watch it very, very carefully. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into a little bit more on the stock side. Um, you know, uh, you said that you were a number of things that you were buying today. Um, let's maybe start out with Fortinet. Now, I mean, we saw... We saw some devastation in some of the, the members of this group. I'm with CrowdStrike and stuff like that. But Fortinet, 
Um, I mean, it did get below its 50-day moving average line. Um, what what put this on your radar, even though it had kind of that that failed breakout? Because this group held up really, really well through the whole pullback. The group rank, you guys have group RS at A, but I think on my on Wanda, it shows up, you know, in the high 90s. This whole group held up excellent. And it really, what is it off the high right now? Like 4% or something? Yeah, 5%. Okay, so the average growth stock is down like 30. So this is relatively way, way, way stronger. Relative strength, 98. Um, sales margins return on equity are both over 20%. The, the, I mean, the, the absolute earnings growth is, is fairly low, but this group held up so well. Um, you know, pal, look at Palo Alto, P-A-N-W. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, this thing never broke the 50. It had right. one day. This is really, really a super relatively strong group. This and semiconductors mm -hmm. held up. As far as the disruptive area, high growth area, these are the two areas that really held up. So I just went right to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and but what's kind of interesting because you're looking for relative strength with the groups, but also within the groups. So you have Palo Alto and Fortinet uh, holding up well, but you had CrowdStrike, Zscaler, they mm -hmm. broke, uh, and Zscaler was actually seemed to be doing the best out of all of them. So there's relative strength within the group too, where you, you want to try to figure out okay, which ones within the group are holding up the best? Maybe the ones that are, haven't broken the fifty. For sure. And it is, listen, it is a bit risky because if this market fails, like if XLP doesn't break and then the, these, these start to cave in, those would be the last men standing. Mm -hmm. So there is high risk here. This is dangerous. It's not just like it's a lock. Like if we get a, uh, you know, a distribution day in the next two or three days, this rally is most likely going to fail and these stocks will get obliterated. Mm -hmm. But then you'll just cut your losses though, right? You have a plan to get out, right? So, I mean, it's not that risky if you have a plan. <laughs> You know, listen, if you were a push on Roblox and you woke up this morning and, and into those numbers, you were, you, you, you lost 10% equity. That's it's not impossible. That's so, but the answer is it's a risk you have to take. I'm willing to lose three, four, 5% to have a shot at making 50 to 300%. That's an asymmetric mm -hmm. trade. And I'm, I'll take that. That's all I look for is asymmetry in my trading. Right. Now, Howard, if, we, if, if we step, if we step back to the, the weekly chart here, Though a lot of people might be saying, okay, well, gosh, how much more can, I mean, Fortinet had, you know, just this uninterrupted run. I mean, it held its 10 week moving average line uh, so well, it was just, you know, again, phenomenal. Um, so what do you say to people that are like, well, you know, how much more can this go up? I don't, I don't know. I'm a trend follower. The reason I missed all the bear markets in my life is because when it rolled over, I didn't know it was going to become the worst bear market I'd ever seen, but right. I just got out of the way. And when people got into Cisco in 1990, they didn't know it was going up 50,000 percent, but they mm -hmm. just held, you know, follow the trend. No, I could never impose my view on where it's, you know, I don't know what the possibilities are for this. Now I'm a hypocrite because I think crypto has taken over the world, but I'm telling you, you don't know. Right. Trend followers right. don't know. When oil breaks, you don't know if it's going to go to $15 a barrel or if it breaks up, if it's going to 150. You, you just listen, the key to this is durable uptrends and catching them and riding them like a dog. And, mm -hmm. you know, use that 50 days of guardrail. You get into this turbulence like we've had and a stock holds up this well. When the market turns up and you get a follow through day, there's your go-to name. They're, right. they're, they're sitting up like sore thumbs. You know, they're just screaming. You look at me. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, you mentioned that there's a lot of strength in the semiconductors uh, as well in the tech sector. Those held up very well. I mean, the semiconductor fabulous group is the number one group out of 197. So um, maybe give us your thoughts on NVIDIA. You mentioned that uh, this was one that you were uh, maybe buying back some of the shares that you got rid of, but it's something that you've been holding on to for a long time. Right. I never, um, we don't talk enough about fundamentals. I mean, you know, and Bill was just like this. He, it's so exciting to talk yeah. about parts, but these guys lead in AI, data center, autonomous driving, cryptocurrency mining, basically every major disruptive, almost all the major disruptive areas. These guys are the, like the general store at the foothills of the mountain. You want to go up and pan for gold. I don't care if you find it or not, but just use our chips. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the fundamentals here are so stellar. And that's why composite rating is 99. But beyond that, this group held up extremely well. Here's your liquid leader. It just, it has everything. It's a perfect can slim template stock. And, you know, it, 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 it never broke the It broke the 50 for 20 minutes and up it went today. You go to the daily, look at the volume yesterday. It catches the 50 and re and goes up on volume. And then today we have a down open and this thing just roars. I mean, I don't buy 50 days very often, but this one to me is such a rare jewel. I had to get, I had to build the position up. Um, let's go ahead and round out the conversation with a look at Qualcomm. Uh, so uh, again, talk about your chip, you know, your chip gear, another one in the semiconductor fabulous group. Uh, this is one that didn't even break the 21 day moving average line. Um, so, I mean, you talk about your relative strength. Well, why, why didn't it break the, why didn't it break the 20 or the 50? because the institutional money managers who have analysts, the analysts come in their office and they say, well, this is what the greatest story in the world. So they, they don't sell it. They sell off, you know, all the other stocks that have blown up. Mm -hmm. This, you know, this stock is in an all time new closing high today. Mm -hmm. Okay. After a, a bear market, internal bear market, yeah. it's just look at the relative strength line here. It's absolutely screaming. Look at the volume on the gap up on earnings versus mm -hmm. the, the volume in the digestion. That's, those are, you know, Trump towers amongst one story buildings. And again, look at the, look at this earnings growth here. 119, 74, 123, 76. Th this thing's just screaming at you. And it's super liquid. Listen, you have to stay alive. You have to stay alive until you step into that monster in huge size. You just, you know, you, you, you gotta keep paddling out in the water and getting in those waves. And eventually you're just going to catch a tidal wave and ride it, ride it all the way into the beach. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you're going to have to paddle out, get a false start, get dumped over by the wave. Shane Dorian, yeah. um, <laughs> you're going to make a ton of mistakes. You're going to fall off the board. You're going to fall off the board. You're going to get in the wash cycle. But if you stay in the game and don't get discouraged after all these little losses, you're definitely going to catch these monsters. And when they, when you catch them and you get it in size, it's a life changer. You only need, how many stocks do you need to go up 100, 200% with a 25% position to change your life? You get one every three years in size, you're going to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Hmm. It, it, anybody can do this. Anybody with perseverance for the long term, discipline and staying with it and believing in the system that Bill set forth for us, that's in a book that he it's out there for free. Everyone can read it. It works like, it, you know, it works great. You just got to stay with it. And anybody, if I can do this, anybody can do this.
Well, on that note, I think uh, it's a good place to end this podcast uh, on, on such a positive note. Thank you so much for coming on again, Jim. Uh, again, your words are often very inspiring with their optimism. And uh, again, it, every time I feel like I'm jazzed up, ready to, ready to tackle the market anew. Let me leave you with one more. Okay. The golden goose of capitalism isn't suffocated by socialism. There's going to be 15 new TMLs every bull cycle. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, guys. There's my present to everybody. <laughs> <Okay>. There you <we> go. <laughs> Just Thanks, catch one this 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 year uh okay and with that uh that's it for us uh we will be back next week and our very own alexis garcia will be joining us she's got a a little podcast on growth stories um she's one of our reporters a lot of great videos from her so it'll be great to have her on the show actually she was producing us for a while until she uh, got fed up with arush and i and and moved on to greener pastures so uh, it'll be great to have her on Uh, so hopefully we will see you next week take care And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.